0: All right. Should be live here. So on the bench this evening, we're going to talk about a couple of things that have happened here in recent days. KJ Bolden's commitment, obviously Saturday evening happened. Pretty seismic moment. Uh, We're going to get a little bit behind the scenes with that with Brendan Sinone, as well as Zach, both of them joining me here tonight. We're going to give it probably about two minutes for people to start kind of rolling in here, getting a feel for it this evening. And then we're going to we're going to get after this, and we're going to enjoy ourselves. And I'm hosting, so it's going to be a very serious episode, unlike when Brendan hosts. This.
1: Streamlined. It's going to be yeah. efficient. Yeah.
0: Um, the other thing we're going to talk about is the first three three days of preseason camp. That was Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They had today, Sunday, off from preseason camp. They get back at it starting on Monday uh, to kind of preview this coming week. Switches the morning from the afternoon like it was last week. Monday to Friday Thursday and Friday will be in Jacksonville at UNF a little bit of a road trip for the team they like to do that to just kind of get them the feel of going on the road and just being together it, it, there's reasons for and I, I think you know Mike Norvell has talked about it every year that they've done it and there's value to it we don't exactly love it because well we have to leave town and my wife doesn't exactly love it because it's the first day of school for our kids
1: oh that, that's nice for you to get away from that hecticness yeah I totally um, forgot all about that, dude. I, I forgot we had to go out of town. Well, remember,
0: days are weeks right now. So just Days remember are weeks. <laughs> and then uh, they'll come back, have Saturday off, and they'll have a scrimmage on Sunday. That will be their first scrimmage of the spring. Or I'm sorry, preseason. God, it's not spring. We're way ahead of
1: that. I keep wanting but, to write spring camp, too.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah I think you know, once we're about four or five days into it, I think you work it out of there. But yeah, I definitely have had some uh, moments with that. Chris, who are our sponsors? Our sponsors are the Turner Group, lovely folks that can help you with any home buying needs. Whether you're in the Central Florida area or trying to do something up in here, up here in Tallahassee, feel free to reach out. If you need more details, you can reach out to Brendan. He uh, has it all unlocked there. He even knows the actual name of the people that work there. Unlike me, who screwed it up in the past, but she does work there for direct. The and then our other sponsor, as Brendan mentions, he's fueled by them Chattanooga whiskey outstanding whiskey multiple options for you to enjoy able to find in about what 15 states now brendan is that correct? yeah or?
1: yeah and all throughout the state of florida they're all over the place man
0: yeah i'm going dry right now because i'm trying to you know stay in preseason camp shape not sweat it out out there but uh we'll get back to it when the season rolls around hopefully enjoy us occasions not to drown our sorrows
2: dude my mom got my dad uh a birthday gift or no father's day gift of chattanooga whiskey they had it at a party that they had um, over the summer. Gone in one night. It yeah. was a, it was a huge
0: hit. It's good Woo. stuff. I mean, when we took it to that golf tournament, it amazed me how many of those folks had never had it before, and how many of them walked away saying they enjoyed it. So. Yeah,
2: and asking asking for more info on it.
0: which was Yeah, and they strike me as the type that enjoy such things. So yeah. You know.
2: <laughs> All right, so we're three minutes in
0: here. We're gonna get rolling. All right, so let's fire this thing off. FSU lands KJ Bolden. That recruitment started back in 2020. FSU was his first offer. Tons of investment, ton of time, ton of work. Brendan Sinone, he he sweated it out down the stretch, but my man probably had a great deal of anxiety going on, but he he stayed consistent. It was always Florida State. Brendan, explain yourself. Explain what the last week of that was like. Explain what the last six weeks of that was like, because the turning point for that was mid-June when he visited FSU for a multi-day unofficial, and that's where we started voicing, specifically Brendan and Zach started voicing, belief that this could be done could be pulled off and there wasn't a whole lot of national folks on that until here very recently but brennan explain yourself
1: yeah and even then like the uh, the amount of drama going into this recruitment i've never been a part of it like the legitimate unknowns like i talked to berg on the way up because i knew that on three was going to be hosting it and he didn't know and he was like the master of ceremonies like no one knew when i got there to. To the uh, It was in Flowery Branch. I know he's at Buford High School. Flowery Branch is the city just north of Buford and northern uh, kind of like metro or just outside of metro, I guess, uh, suburbs of Atlanta. Um, but got there, and Michael Linkson from WarChant was there. And that was all that was there for FSU coverage. Now Obviously, it's a hike for us to get up there. But one UGA-based reporter after another kept showing up. Uh, we had an Auburn reporter show up. Uh, we had three different people from 24-7 sports there, uh, all representing different universities in coverage. So, like, uh, yeah, even this, even seeing that, like, once, once I saw the fifth UGA person show up, like, as good as I felt going into it, and I felt as good that last hour going into the commitment as I ever had. I wasn't nervous or excited. Why? Why? Uh, I was told that... Florida state was going to get KJ Bolden at that point. And I would never been told. And to be fair, I had never been told with hundred percent like definitiveness, like that Florida state was going to get KJ Bolden. It was always extreme confidence. It was always, and we're going to talk about this, some of the backstory of like where confidence on our reporting, my reporting, and all you guys helping out as well. Like where our reporting as a site, like was coming from, um, and it was a very like eclectic blend of like information we were piecing together, but like, I never felt like it was a hundred percent. I think I was like back in early July, like at like 50 something percent and that got people's attention. Cause at that point, Florida state was not considered a, a leader uh, and got up into the sixties. And uh, I would say I went up there on Saturday morning. <clears throat> we, we, we made the decision on Friday, Chris. Remember what I said Friday before we left practice that I'm not going to go? You were hem-hawn
0: go. at practice.
1: You're like, I don't know
0: if I'm going to go. We don't know for sure. But should I go? It's pretty important. K.J. Bolden's pretty good. A little hem honorable and then like, you know, a little bit of word to word down in our direction. You're like, I, I got to go. Like
1: Yeah, this is the, that, Friday, that Friday night was, and, and we reported like that was going to be the last thing I was going to report on it. Um, was the most confident I had been. So, and I told you, Chris, like I had to be 90 to 95% sure it would be FSU to invest the time during camp season to go and drive up. So, um, plus not feeling a hundred percent still. Like, yeah, it was, like, it was, it was a thing. I was like, okay, we have to wait. This is going to be worth our time. Uh, we're not going to go out of, out a coin flip. Right. Um, so was confident going up there more conf- confident as I got further North, I got more and more confident. Uh, and then about an hour before the commitment uh, ceremony, I was 100 percent sure it would be Florida State at that point.
0: So part of your confidence was Zach's reporting that Cam Davis was on his way. Up oh, right. my God. That, that definitely was a relief moment.
1: That happened in the afternoon while driving up, maybe late morning, Zach.
2: Yeah, I think it was like 11 a.m.
1: It it gave me a shot of energy. because I'll like, off oh, Cam Davis is come. We're good. Like he would. It was kind of the same thing with Luke Kromen yeah. Hawk and uh and Charles Lester. And we had that for a few days. We didn't have the Cam Davis thing. We weren't sitting on that. Um and Zach made my day. He made my he made my trip. Um made my trip much more at ease, in addition to some of the stuff I was hearing from from FSU's. And did you have a similar re- reaction, Zach, when you found out Cam was was coming? Yeah,
2: I mean, honestly, it was like I was I'm in the middle of like moving, so um i had texted cam that morning and he had gotten back to me and i'm like oh shoot like this is really happening so i put that up and obviously you know the null 24 7 subscribers went crazy um and you know made sure to tell the guys in the chat and i don't even think you reacted right away you maybe reacted like 30 minutes after i sent the text in our chat
1: yeah right i didn't right. see it i yeah. didn't know that was a thing you i was focused stopped. on the
2: road two yeah. eyes good straight yes. ahead
1: good uh yeah i stopped um Cordell, kind of Cordell. That that you know the the gateway to South Georgia uh, is when I stopped and did a little pit stop and checked my phone and yeah, that was good news. So, so you
2: stopped, uh, picked up Cam Davis, and then brought him. Yeah, because I
1: was pretty close to Albany. Yeah. Okay. Um. So anyway, so the commitment ceremony. At one point, I looked at Langston like about ten minutes before, and I just gave him a little, like, like we're good here like i i felt like we were we were in as good a shape as as we had been in terms of like investing time and resources into covering this so he picks fsu um went into a variety of reasons why you can check out Knowles 24 7 kj spoke to the media after but i mean a lot of the things that we'd heard and reported like he he articulated right that that fsu I had a good plan for him with versatility that it was his dream school. That was a huge factor relationship with Mike Norvell, big factor in FSU had been recruiting him and been his day one offer. They were the first one, Uh, Pat Sertan and that relationship. Like those are all things that, and he even said that June unofficial visit is when it started to change. Right, Chris, that was, um, it was a pivot.
0: It was a change. it It was where the momentum. Yeah. It was where the momentum kind of changed. And, This recruitment speaks to playing a long game. I mean, we mentioned offered in twenty twenty. I believe he came to the spring game in twenty one, and that's the spring game where they couldn't host him. Correct? That was
2: just the come on your own if you are coming kind of deal. That was the that was the day with like Travis Hunter, like that DB that DB crew was insane that day. Yeah, Bolden uh, Bolden was like an afterthought because he was a guy that was like insanely young compared to a lot of the guys that were there. Came here in June
0: of twenty one for an unofficial during camp season. I don't think he camped, if I recall correctly, but he did come during that. You know, he got back here quite a bit here in recent months. Obviously, we mentioned the June visit that just happened. Um, Trying to think, did he make a game last year? No, you recall? He, did, he did not. He did not. So it really picked back up in April of 23 and then continued because he visited on April 3rd yeah. of 23. And he was, he was and
2: supposed to visit. And then he came visit, back in June. Yeah, he was supposed to visit at the end of March. That visit got canned because it was going to be a one day visit and they That's wanted right. to get him on campus for multiple days. So they rescheduled for that next week in April. Um, And Brendan will get into the full timeline, but that's kind of, you know, that's the first visit under, you know, Norvell and then Sertan, especially um, of of this year. And that's kind of how FSU really, you know, cemented itself back into this one. All right, Brendan, back to you, buddy.
1: Yeah, so so we documented like the week going in and, and like the twenty four hours going into it. It was it was a, a level of confidence that was as high as it had been, right? But like, we'll Tarantino it. We started at the end and we'll go to the beginning of it. Like where it wasn't always that level of confidence. Um, this to me started to become an on our radar. Like, hey, this is a real thing during that June unofficial visit and the subsequent days after. Zach had a report on the Jeremiah Smith and the K.J. Bolden unofficial visits, which happened in that same time frame. And basically like was expressing like the FSU has some like legitimate staying power here. Um, and what, what I think was so big was that it was multiple days and the entire intent or the, the main objective of that trip was for K.J. to spend time with Pastor Tan. Like, that was the objective because Pat got here in December, I think. And so while Mike Norvell and other coaches on the staff, and this was collective. This was team effort for the entire coaching staff, defensive coaching staff. Uh, Derek Ray, like, has a good relationship with KJ Bolden. I uh, got to, like, like, even that was, like, a tell to me, like, at the end of uh, the unofficial visit when – when KJ was about to do an interview with us, like he went out of his way to go give D-Ray like a, like a hug at the end of it. I was like, this guy's given like the general manager the, like, this isn't the position coach or the head coach that he's going out of his way to like give legitimate, like love to like, no, it was, so it was like that with the entire coaching staff. Like this was a super hands-on, well-structured recruitment. And what FSU had to do was make up for lost time with Pat Sertan only being in KJ Bolden's life for a few months. That's what that, unofficial visit was. That was huge. That was a huge turning point in all this. And I would say in the subsequent days after that, in addition to Zach's reporting, uh, we had a few like little like breadcrumbs that were placed of like, you know, we feel really good about what we did, uh, Florida State, uh, in that, in that span, um, to the point where I was told like, don't dismiss us, do, do not dismiss us. And this okay. Yeah. He's on the radar at this point. To um, help
0: with Brendan here, real quick, you got to remember at this point, most people think he's probably a Georgia lock
1: or but it's not State, Georgia, right?
0: it's Ohio
2: State, right? Yeah. yeah, and then three and four are probably Clemson and Alabama, yeah. And um, yeah, Auburn got into the picture later, and FSU was
0: always in the picture, but always kind of dismissed in the picture from a national perspective,
1: Chris. While you have uh KJ's uh profile pulled up, yeah, when did he either unofficially or officially visit Alabama uh
0: the last official to Bama was June 23rd it was the last official of the June uh window it was the day it was the day after FSU FSU. yes yes because he left he was at FSU from June 20th to the 22nd
1: here's one thing that I did not report and couldn't report at the time but one thing that gave me confidence later on in this process I didn't know this at the time um I don't know if I would have been able to report at the time but after KJ spent the entire or unofficial visit, I was going to say weekend, I don't think it was the weekend, uh, with Pat Sertan, he goes to Alabama. My understanding is that Pat Sertan, is it the second or junior? Yes, second. Second. Was it Alabama that week? No, weekend?
0: senior. Oh, I'm sorry. The no, at, yeah, yes, so the son, I'm the son, sorry. The, oh, the, the, the second. The, the second, pro,
1: yes. or, uh, pro yeah. bowl cornerback in the NFL was there, and that would be a strength, you think, for Alabama, right, in that? Yeah. Um, but he ended up getting KJ ends up getting to to shoot the shoot the shit with uh, the coach's son, who obviously speaks really highly of his dad. So you had this great visit where FSU feels like home; it's his dream school. Like you just got to give him a reason, right? And that little seed is planted. In addition to like the day after, like it was not planned. It just it was one of those things that like that helped propel FSU in this recruitment. Uh, that was just out of FSU's control. It was just a matter of like you did the right things during the unofficial visit, and like it unfolded in a way that, that helped you ascend. So right, right under
2: Nick Saban's nose.
1: (laughs) Take that Nick. Um, So we go to early July and I still think after that unofficial visit, I'm thinking long game. And I think that's where FSU is thinking at that time. I don't have the details of what exactly shifted other than uh, we knew that KJ Bolden had a commitment date set August 5th. And in that window between the late June visit and early July uh, get indication that like FSU might still be in position for this late in the year with that. And that was the other thing that came with that unofficial visit, right? Was that he was talking about setting up the OV in uh, early November to Miami. So like, that was like part of this, like, okay, it's going to be a long game. I think that's going to be FSU strategy, uh, but we end up getting wind that like FSU might be kicking and and they thought if they had to kick at any point, they, they could to really like be like engaged in having the legitimate chance to beat out Georgia for Bolden. And Chris had reported on this. Like this was like UGA really, really wanted
0: Bolden. So I'd shared this with the guys regularly. I had always been told that this was a guy that was basically earmarked by Georgia as someone they were going to get like, and, and Kirby smarts time there. They don't miss on many of those. Uh, You know Caleb Downs last year maybe might be one. There's not many. Uh, It's very very short list. And this is a kid in their backyard down the road. Been to Georgia countless times. Had a great relationship with Kirby Smart. We all know how Kirby Smart is with defense and especially with defensive backs. Like there's a ton of reasons to understand why Georgia throughout this entire recruitment felt really really good about. Heck, I think Georgia had maybe not. Overwhelming confidence, but I think they had confidence up to the
2: moment he actually said the word Florida State on Saturday yeah. evening. I mean, our our director of recruiting on 24-7 sports, Steve Wolfong, dropped an update on the Georgia board moments before uh Bolden's announcement started, uh, claiming that there was, you know, from his uh UGA sources, there was some confidence on their side. So, like Thank we're talking God, about minutes, we're talking about <laughs> minutes before the kid announced a guy that's probably the most well-sourced. Uh, individual in this entire space um, in our industry is is reporting that there's confidence in, it, in Athens. It,
1: here's a crazy thing. If we're going to fast forward. We are Tarantino. This is going all over the place. Uh, I had heard the weekend. I couldn't, I, I couldn't like I come out and report. It was another backstory thing. I was told that Georgia basically got eliminated in the final week of the recruitment.
2: I mean, there had to be a reason why. the the coaches there were given confidence. So, I don't know. I mean,
0: me and Brendan talked on the last pod when we previewed the commitment that the kid played a phenomenal game. Like, in the sense of recruiting. Like, he he kept people guessing. And on the edge of the seat, I mean, Auburn visit comes late. They feel like they're surging. And they legitimately felt like they were surging. Makes the comments he made publicly about that visit. He never really publicly, you know, pushed anybody out the window as far as schools that were still in contention, never narrowed it down, kept people guessing. As you mentioned, there were reporters from multiple schools there. You don't show up to an announcement like that more than more often than not, unless you believe, like, there's a reason for me to be here.
1: So so going back to now early to mid-July, we had, had again, uh, building confidence that Florida State was in play. And I would say even, like, we didn't run with some of this. Right. Like we had obviously we'd hinted. Well, go ahead, Chris.
0: But you guys, you guys brought it up. I mean, there were podcasts. Yeah. There's one prior to the 4th of July where we we're talking about fireworks. And I, I think maybe it was asked like essentially who, who does FSU have a better shot with that isn't being we, talked about. And we we name strategically
1: buyer Sunoned it in to kind of ease right. it a little bit, Chris. Yes. But was it was discussed. And
0: the last thing power was there where you guys consistently reported about it and were comfortable saying that consistently FSU is very much in this. And it was funny down the stretch when it became much more a national topic, both from our national folks and folks at other uh, companies in the industry, that FSU was more in this and FSU was really a contender and FSU was top two. And I thought that was interesting. I think he did an interview with uh, Benjamin Wolk, who's on our Georgia site, what, roughly 10, 12 days ago. Yeah. And he, at the time, Ben asked him, who's your top two, essentially, in Georgia and Florida State is what the young man brought up. So, like, KJ wasn't keeping it super secret that FSU was very much a contender, but I think a lot of people were very dismissive of FSU throughout the entirety of this recruitment until crunch time.
1: I think we were early to the party is really what it was, and that that's sometimes not a bad place to be. It's a lonely place to be. It can be uncomfortable, but you know, that, that worked out fine for us, obviously. Um, and we were going to be able to tell the story one way or the other, right? Like, I think that's the big thing is, like, we never said 100% certainty it will be Florida State, um, but it was a lot of confidence in it. And and that's one thing, like, I think we do really well uh, a little uh, pat on the back, right? But, like, as a website, like, we are able to, and, and I learned this from Berg, like, this was a thing that he does well. It's like, if things go belly up and they don't go the way you think, you have to be able to, like, at least know if you went and stood up on a table for something and reported it with confidence to be able to explain why. Yeah. And that's what you straight. can do. Yeah. Always shoot straight. Yep, it's, it's exactly, Chris. We shoot straight and just be transparent, as transparent as possible without giving up sourcing or uh, compromising the news cycle. Uh, that's all we can do. So we're going into to mid-July here. Uh, and I think we put out, it was the first time we put out a report that really like got people's attention on this. It wasn't the backing into it anymore. It was me saying, I think if it was today here on July 13th, I think it would be Florida State. I think that was the first time we really like kind of, our you know what on the table on it. Um, and and that came from a few reasons. So we had some information, like the, the things we're talking about were ascending. We keep getting more information. FSU wasn't going away from as we, uh, as we understood it. And uh, one key detail that I had gotten, and there was like, so my confidence was getting higher. There was things I just couldn't share, even with like my dues. Like I didn't share it with Zach and Chris, but like I just remained confident in it. And Zach reached out to me one day and said he had heard from someone within our network. I don't know if you want to say who, say who it was, Zach, but Zach had been given a, a tip by someone in our network that said in the Buford community, FSU is trending. And so my thought, and I'll throw this to you, Zach, but my thought was like, oh, shit, like this might be starting to get out here a little bit at this point.
2: Yeah. Um, no, I was talking to uh, Philip Duke's Duke Duke. scoops um, from the Auburn site, and he had let me know that that you know after talking to some people around Buford and, and he's really connected to that area. He's really connected to KJ and his family as well. So he did an awesome job covering that recruitment. He got an exclusive interview with KJ before the announcement, which was really yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he had told me that FSU um, was a school that was being brought up, which was, you know, unusual um, prior to that point uh, throughout his recruitment. So um, he brought that up to me and then I shared that with Brendan. That's kind of how things start, you know, I think that's kind of how the ball got got rolling.
1: Well, it, yeah, and so there was also – and let us know in the chat, guys. If this is moving too slow, we'll speed up for you a little bit. I don't know if this is too much navel-gazing. A lot of people want to know the back yeah. story. But it's like, let, let us know how we're doing on on pacing here, please. Um, but one other thing that Zach uh, – with what Zach just said, that, I like, kind of tipped our hand or forced our hand a little bit was the Chad Simmons on three report. And yeah. Chad's report mentioned five schools and his Florida State being in there. And, like, that was big, right? And that was like, okay, well, th- that was at least something that was out there that someone nationally was able to, to acknowledge that Florida State was in it. But, like, it's like, okay, our hand's forced here. Like, we have to put out information on this. And if we're going to put out the information, we're going to put it out with the way that makes sense. And, like, we're not just going to reiterate something at that point because we had, like, a good amount of confidence that, like, this isn't just FSU kind of hanging around and being pesky. This is FSU pacing this right now. Yeah.
0: And at this point we're over 3 weeks into it. We're 3 weeks removed from the unofficial in June where we really got the ball rolling with this We're, I don't know 23 24 days removed from that when we are really having to push it forward. And when you're pushing something forward, you're 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 trying to report so people have information and you're straight with them. But there's also always most times some stuff in a situation like this where there's still game to be played and weeks to go with a situation we are hesitant to say this because while well, this is sort of like, it's got to develop more and we'll get there, but I expect it to do that. So you're always kind of weighing that, figuring that out while you're trying to report, give people information, be straightforward with people.
1: Yeah. And I immediately start having people saying you're going to jinx us and like, and it's like, oh, okay, like that's, that that's where we're at. That's fine. And that's when the, to me, that's when the fun began, like publicly, that's when we start getting a little bit of pushback from people, regional reporters, um, and that's when expectations start wrapping up for FSU as well. And, and so, like, that's when things start getting kind of fun and weird and, like, the chaos part of this starts. Uh, as we get into, like, middle July, later July, the Charles Lester commitment ceremony is coming up. That gets weird uh, with the Colorado drama. And I'm told in no uncertain terms, if they don't get Charles Lester, they're not getting K.J. Bolden because he wants to go to a class that is legitimately – like national title contending
0: and, and we've seen the two of them interact a great deal since the commitment uh, yeah they're
2: KJ... on, <laughs> no, they on instagram live like afterwards and um just sharing some some nice comments i guess when kj was heading home from the ceremony so that was pretty cool
1: kj said after the ceremony in his interview for youth answer to thank charles lester and he mentioned cam davis yeah. cj heard luke Cromanhawk, but he mentioned he mentioned charles twice and he mentioned charles first um, that's not lost on me. Like that is that was a that was another big moment in this recruitment. That FSU handled its business and locked up Charles Lester and made sure there was no funny business with Dion and Colorado. So, like that was huge. That was another domino that fell. And that was another piece of information for us on the back end that we just kind of keep checking like this tallies. Like, okay, the things that are needing to happen are are happening. Um, so That's important. Uh, Now we get to July 30th. So we're going like to this, like the next week here. And that's when we put out another report saying that confidence is still high. Uh, But that was coming off of the Auburn visit. If my timeline's correct, the the Auburn unofficial visit. Um, And there was initially I I was kind of flippant. I was dismissive of it. And uh, as we started to get more information, all of us were in in our Auburn site. Like, I, I think there was a legitimate like wave there where Auburn made a, a push. Uh, and I think FSU have stood it. Go ahead,
2: Zach. Yeah, to me, I just when when I saw the Auburn stuff happening, I posted this on the board at the time. But he was quoted, KJ Bolden was quoted saying that Auburn was in his top two, um, and that he almost committed to Hugh Freeze on the visit. And I do not doubt that Auburn made a huge push, and maybe was a school contending, um, you know, very heavily in his recruitment but it, but a lot of that seemed like a little bit manufactured because to me, it was weird to me because KJ had always been pretty guarded with information regarding his recruitment um you know Chris mentioned before that when he when he spoke to Benjamin Woke from our Georgia site he mentioned FSU in Georgia off record like that that wasn't in the report um and Ben, ben had had has put that out since yeah. Yeah. After, after his commitment so we're free to I ain't burning it, people but, I promise but, no, but that good. was you're another
1: good. that was another like again as we're collecting these data points that was another one for us that he had yeah. told someone on background
2: it gave us credence yeah that that that, that we were we were on the right track
1: mm-hmm. yeah oh.
2: so um but yeah around that time after the Auburn visit you know that that stuff started rolling in um we started hearing that that Georgia might be you know making another push um and uh, I guess Brendan and I were, were talking back and forth, and and finally, you know, I had heard from a source close to the Buford program after the Auburn visit um, that that it was going to be Florida State for KJ Bolden, um, and and I think that really you know gave us a shot in the arm when it yeah. came to that next week of reporting on his recruitment because we had that in the back pocket of knowing that you know someone that that is you know not an FSU source. Um, is telling us for sure that it's going to be FSU um, for, for Bolden. So I thought that was that was influential. Um, obviously, there was a lot of time to go because that was straight after the Auburn visit, um, but it, it really helped um, in our reporting that week uh, to, to have that
1: information in hand. Absolutely, that was that was. It kind of reminded me, Chris. Remember the Bob Stoops week or two, uh, if it, it's Bob until you it mean when Bob. I drove
0: up and drove around campus and asked, why are these cars here?
1: And we had like the, the one day where we knew that there was a team meeting called mm-hmm. and we knew what the meeting was for. And it was just to handle your business going into winter break thing. We had yeah. it sourced. I was certain of that's what it was. I knew what it was yet. There was still other outlets and just Twitter rumors and stuff that would not go away saying that it was something. And I remember it being a really cold, dreary day and sitting out there in my, my junkie Corolla at that point, my 2005 Corolla. And the heat didn't work great in that car. And just thinking to myself, like, this is crazy. Like, I know that nothing's happening, yet I cannot not be here. And that's oh, my, what – it was the time oh, – there was two timelines. Uh, and since the Marvel uh, – uh universe has, has made it to where there's now a multiverse and that's now so it's now instead of multiple timelines it's a multiversity right um it's now what the kids are saying so uh zach's shot in the arm helped twice in keeping me grounded with his reporting to like what we're hearing what i'm hearing on this and and it was sourced through like four, five, six people in different degrees who would and, know in addition people to people that
0: weren't overlapping with one another correct
1: correct now like it could be a, a telephone thing where like you never know and that's like part of like that makes reporting difficult sometimes but when it, the message is consistent from everyone in your circle who you trust that's all like, we could operate with and we had that and we had the duke scoops in early july we had Uh, We had Ben with his Ben woke with his input uh, as well in the middle of the month. Uh, Dukes was earlier in July, Ben's in the middle. Like that's part of being a network was really helpful for us. And like, knowing that like, okay, this is, this is a thing. Uh, And then Zach's subsequent reporting as well, multiple times, uh, especially at the end of the process, it all ties together um, for us to like put this stuff like confidence. Right. And then, and then once FSU was very confident, we proceeded forward with covering it in person. And so that's how that went together. It was it was a good five, six weeks. Uh, it wasn't always comfortable. Um, uh, frankly, it was really uncomfortable. I was very adamant. I don't want to be putting out this report that Friday night. I don't want to be putting my, my nose out there any further than it already is. I don't want to put my neck on the guillotine anymore in case it doesn't go well for Florida State and people don't understand what happened. I sure as shit don't want to drive up six hours uh, because i stopped to pee a lot and stretch my legs because i'm old there and back uh to maybe this not happen like i was i was throwing tantrums in the back end i have covid i should be covering camp all that stuff but we proceeded forward with confidence and it ended up working out really well for us as a website fortunately more importantly it worked out uh fantastically for florida state they They did an amazing job with this recruitment as mentioned at the top of this, like it was a total cumulative team effort. Um, If FSU is not aligned as a staff, if it is not aligned as an athletic department with the messaging there, like in the, in the functions of like what's going on with the football facilities. uh, If the battle's end does not exist, listen to me If the battle's end does not exist. Like these are things that aren't happening. FSU isn't winning this battle. I've heard, a lot of BS in the last day or so from like the loser's lament of why KJ Bolden picked Florida state. If he wanted to go to a place where he in three years uh, when he's on campus and proven and wants a guaranteed like NIL opportunity, that would be crazy amounts of money. He could have gone to Auburn. All right. He could have gone to Georgia. Like uh, this was not a, a thing that was like, And and also the the narrative that the parents forced him to go to to Florida State. Bullshit. Like, that's just not how this went. And don't listen to – the people who were wrong on this all along, now start listening to them. No. Like, just stop it. So, uh, FSU won it, and it won it because they did an amazing job from top to bottom of the program. Mike Norvell leading in the front. Uh, He offered K.J. Bolden back in 2000 – or 2020 (laughs) – <laughs> That's uh, impressive.
2: He, he uh, knew 20 he, years before he was born.
1: And Zach. And wrote, before he was head
2: coach at FSU.
1: And Zach wrote a really good column uh, when uh, for us to the pre write. Uh, fans love the pre write um, of really like this being this this win for Mike Carvel being a feather in his cap that was really like the exercising of demons of the Travis Hunter thing. Because all the parallels were there uh, of North Georgia, DB. So uh, Swanee's really close to Buford ranks similarly. You got to drive by the exit to get there. You did. I saw Swanee on the way there and I smiled. I was like, Oh, that's, that's a story. That's, that's a note there. Um, you beat the dream school curse. Like there was a lot of things that, that were there that showed FSUs in a better spot from a management style uh, from infrastructure, from being totally aligned than it, than it has been. So that's, All right. that's what I got on it. Hyper version
0: of bayer Own brought to you by the Turner Group. bayer Own, most important recruit landed by Mike Norvell in his time at Florida State. Buy. 100% buy. Buy.
1: Buy, 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 buy.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a buy on that too. bayer Own, FSU will finish with a top five class now. They currently rank number four in the 247 rankings behind Florida, Ohio State, and Georgia, correct? Um, Georgia being number one currently, Florida being ahead of FSU does FSU sustain
2: and stay in that top five? I'm going to no. I think FSU is only going to add about three to five more guys in the class. Um, and, yes, they're going to go big game, big game hunting um, for, for some guys at, at multiple positions. But to me, I just – there's not a lot of guys I would pencil in right now. And it's really hard to, to look in the future and be like, you know, these guys are going to are going to make decisions to to become or to commit to Florida State because a lot of these guys are making decisions really late in the process um you know we expect like a guy like Jeremiah Smith like I don't think that is a recruitment that's going to be over until probably signing day so i mean like most but but especially with him um I think, I, he's going I think
1: getting KJ helps out with Jeremiah
2: Smith Oh 100% and we could talk about that but but to me um top 5 i think they're going to be there. the outlook for me is a lot better than what I what I said at the beginning of July um, for this
1: class. I mean we need you know, to pull we need to pull some June receipts for Zach in the text and I was starting to do that today. It was there's just way too much texting going on to get back there, but we need to pull up some receipts for good old Zach. I'm down. a lot of catastrophizing. I'm down. He man.
2: rides. He rides the emotions like the young yep. that he is. And He's we got. We got to. We got to pull uh, Chris's linebacker receipts as well. But um. Anyway, and, and I,
0: yeah, love it, middle, it, I love middle. I love middle Real we quick, but this, this
1: is that's the, the 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 scope from the fan base has gotten so narrow <laughs> to what they're complaining about now. It's like, all right, cool. Like linebacker recruiting, the least important. Oh, I'm a former when, linebacker. When Randy <laughs>
0: Shannon has a redemption arc of Chris Thompson with the portal and recruiting next year, we'll, we'll just remember these these days, the <laughs> tough days.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> So Zach, Zach's – I think what, Zach, like between fourth and seventh is probably the the sweet spot for where they're – like they're probably not going to jump Ohio State or Georgia unless you're talking know about flipping like J.J. Smith and, and getting some other names that aren't even really like on the board right Yeah, now.
2: absolutely. The, to me, like the board is so like limited right now for a lot, at a lot of these positions because they don't really need to add a lot of numbers, right? Like right. probably two more defensive linemen – Maybe another receiver,
1: uh, r- uh, real quick, Zach. With that, like, I mean, we'll get into it, but like, what if they lose Loway McCoy? Like, that opens up. Um, yeah. what if Jamari flag Like, what, what but if are, but are they be getting,
2: getting someone better than Loway McCoy? If he, if yeah, he
1: probably. I think, okay. I think you're I mean, he's getting, a top yeah.
2: 150 recruit, so like, you're saying that they're probably gonna go. To get Brendan's Louis feeling him, so he's feeling pretty good these days. Yeah. F, no, F, is U, F is using but, that heavyweight class, and they're actually. I'm, what I'm what I'm saying is that, um, you, it's a lot of projections. So to me, I think they're going to be top ten. Um, I'm not ready. To, I'm not ready for the to, uh, to say they're top five. Uh,
1: this does, Chris. Right. This does. I'll, I'll synon so it. I think they're probably going to be sixth or fifth, most likely. Um, and they could get to fourth or third. It's not crazy. Probably, but more four to seven is probably the most likely uh, sweet spot. I would think just based on what's there to Zach's points, but. This does probably the K.J. Bolden commitment, uh, assuming that it holds, and, and I think it will, um, I, that probably assures them of a top-ten class. Yeah,
0: him and Lester, that combo. Plus, I expect, and this, I'm not one of these people that thinks everybody in FSU's class is underranked, but Luke is a guy who probably still has some trajectory. I, yeah. I think there's a possibility of Luke ending up a five-star quarterback in the end. So I think, so. I, I think there's a couple yeah. guys, Elijah Moore definitely being one of them who I, I believe Hilton. could trend up. Heck, I love Red Morgan and I'm not campaigning for him to move up. Like I don't I don't think he necessarily has to move up, but I think Red Morgan is a guy who could potentially trajectory move up.
1: Um Yeah, so uh, what well, should end the Bolden talk with like he's really good. <laughs> yeah. We really yeah, the scouting him.
0: report, he is elite.
1: And he, he can play multiple positions.
0: And FSU has a distinct plan for him that he loves. And when that comes together, when a kid likes what you're pitching and you actually live that life, which FSU does with versatility in their back half, those things usually go pretty well.
1: I, I don't know. Like I joked about in the scouting kind of report, but like it just did the shrugging emoji for like potential weaknesses. I don't know like of any that are glaring to me. Um, I don't know. I didn't see anything that was like uh, he he. this is going to be a problem for him. If it is, it
2: may, it may be that like some of that's like you got to watch some full game film. But the fact yeah. that you're you're having to dig into that to even see some weaknesses is pretty creative.
1: And we're lo- like, for my sense, like I'm looking at like athletic profile, right? Like that's yeah. all I can really dig up um based on the huddle access that we have. But yeah, it's, it. he is ranked very high uh, for a reason. I think 98 grade. And yeah, that makes sense.
0: Speaking of buyer sanones that set up topics, I'm gonna to go buyer sinon the commitment of KJ Bolden influences potential future commitments, specifically possibly teammates.
1: Bye. He he said he was going to be working on, he said, watch, he said, watch this, I think is how he phrased it. Uh, but he said he was going to work on this is after his commitment ceremony. Um, so this is on record of him saying that he was gonna work on uh 2025 linebacker UGA commit. Uh, Jaden Perlotti, Perlott, and uh, as well as a 2025 DB it's a Devin Smith? Devin Williams. Williams, Devin Williams Devin sorry, Williams. Devin Smith's the wide receiver. Devin Williams the 2025 DB. I'll hand it over to Zach here, but bye. It would be my my thought.
2: Yeah, I mean bye for the exact same reason. Zach, did you put in a crystal ball for one of those young men? Oh, yes, I did. Um, yeah, I put in a crystal ball this morning along with 24-7 sports director of recruiting, Steve Wiltfong, FSU to flip four-star linebacker um, committed to Georgia, Jaden Perlot. Uh, I think FSU sits in a great spot there. I think they've actually sat in, a, in an excellent spot with him for, for quite a while, um, even dating back to the spring. But he's teammates with KJ Bolden, like Brennan said, and I think that really helps Florida State in this recruitment. I know Auburn's also in, involved with him, but right now I think FSU has the best shot to uh, to make him change his mind off the Bulldogs. Yeah, Jaden's a young man who was last here in June at Florida State. Yeah. On Devin top, Williams, go yeah. ahead. I was just going to – he's a top 50 recruit in the 2025 class, um, number five overall linebacker in that class. So an elite prospect.
0: On Devin Williams, also a member of 2025 class defensive back, I caught up with him today, and I'll probably write this either tonight or in the morning. Uh, KJ's commitment does have an impact. He's a year ahead of me, and now someone I can get firsthand information from about the program. Devin last visited FSU, I believe it was in March, might have been April. It was definitely in the springtime, And he's a young man with a good athletic profile. Buford's a great program. Um, uh, You know, I try to give credit to most people that listen to stuff like this, that they understand a good bit about college football recruiting. Buford's one of those schools that produces a ton of high-level prospects who are very well prepared for the college game. You know, I view them in the same prism of like a St. Thomas Aquinas in the sense of when they spit a high-level prospect out, they're usually pretty well prepared to go to the college game and do stuff early on. Anything else we want to talk about regarding KJ Bolden or are we feeling good about
1: it? I I think 40 minutes was a little bit more than we'd planned for, but uh, uh, it was an important recruitment in many ways. So was it pivotal? Oh, it was pivotal. There was many pivotal points in it too. Um, Yes. You don't, you don't always see, but yeah, this is, this was a big one.
0: All right. So Florida state got out there, got on the field starting on Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they had after late afternoon, early evening practices, uh, Brendan was able to make one of them. He was sick for the first one and hanging out with KJ Bolden for the last one, but I got to watch all three. He got to see the middle one. Zach moved away from us. because He abandoned us. So he didn't get to see any of them. But uh, my main takeaway is one FSU looks like what a Florida state football team definitely should look like without a shadow yeah. of a doubt. And that's throughout the entire roster. Like they look physically like a very good football team and the athletic profiles of many of the guys really stand out. I mean, Keon Coleman's a blast to watch. He's very fast-footed, very athletic kid, shifty. He goes up and wins the ball. He had a great one against Fentrell Cypress, for example, on Saturday. Um, The other thing that stood out to me, Mike Norvell talked regularly leading up to the preseason that they were going to push this team. Obviously, a lot of returning guys, high expectations, so many reasons why you kind of can't allow complacency and things like that to set in. And my God, did they push him on Saturday. I thought Saturday's practice was as competitive and vicious and just high tempo and like we don't care if you're laying on the ground, drag yourself off, we're going next rep and we're gonna keep doing this. It was a little all yeah, it was it, it just felt like yeah, they're getting Sunday off. We're gonna make sure all they do is lay in bed and drink water.
1: Oh, and
0: I'm glad I'm glad I missed Saturday that. Saturday was that, and it was uh I mean it was enjoyable. It was the first day in upper shoulder pads, so to, you know the O-line D-line work was a little bit more truly competitive than you see when you have no pads on guys. And just in general, they got after it. And the offense clicked a little bit more than it had in the first two days. First day was described as erratic. Second day was a slight improvement on that. I felt like day three was another continual improvement upon that. Jared Verse has been awesome. Braden Fisk is fun as hell to watch. The motor just runs constantly. Daryl Jackson is a person that moves humans with great ease. Uh, O-Line's had several guys that I thought have performed well. I thought Meach had a really good stretch uh, on Saturday. I thought Bless Harris had a really good stretch on Saturday. But even a guy like Bless, he had a rep with Jared Verse, where Jared Verse got the better of him. Um Jeremiah Byers, when he's had opportunities with the first and second team, he stood out with the, those guys, working with those groups that we would deem as such. And he's a guy we view as a starter potential guy. So, you know, it's been good to see that. He had a pancake block, a finish block on, what, Friday? You were there, right, Brendan? But the,
1: yeah, I was – yeah, he cleaned up a block really yeah. well. That was exciting. And
0: that's like the peak version of him that, you, you know, like that's what I like so much. That's what stands out to me. Uh, mentioned Keon Coleman, but the receiving group as a whole has been enjoyable to watch. Destin Hill is a very athletic dude, quick hands, just makes some really difficult catches sometimes look relatively easy. Like I think there was one where he didn't run route deep enough, but he adjusted so easily with his hand to the ball that like you couldn't tell that. I don't think that went how it was supposed to because it was such an easy catch. Keon Coleman's feet, ability, all of it. It's a blast. Uh, him and Fentrell Cypress have been battling. ventral Cypress is fun to watch. He's always in position. Does a phenomenal job of doing his job at a high level. There's a reason they speak of him as a starter on the island, probably opposite of Renardo Green there at cornerback. Uh, safeties, we got a lot of young pups that we're watching there. You know, Ashlyn Barker's a Juco kid. But you got Conrad Hussey, Edwin Joseph. Both of those guys have had some really good moments. Edwin Joseph on Friday had an exceptional PBU on the sideline. Got Got the defense really fired up. I thought maybe the best play of that day. Kevin Knowles, who has moved more to safety, he's moving around a bit, but playing a lot of safety. He's had some very good moments, had an excellent pick on Saturday when he he went and took the ball. He went and got he's
1: it. He's gonna he's gonna be all right there. I I got a yeah. I got a feeling he's gonna get them lined up well and be a talented enough to not be a liability yeah. back there. It's gonna be it's gonna work well for them.
0: Kevin Knowles is a dude who's super well respected by the coaching staff.
2: Yeah, when and they the- I speak of him, they speak of him in very high regard. I was going to add something like when what I've heard, like with Kevin, like early on in his career, like I don't think he he was like getting along a lot with the coaching staff and just was not taking to coaching as well. Um, and he was always like a great kid. But but he's really turned the corner in that aspect from what I've been told. And that's really helped him elevate his game. Um, I think he really likes Coach Pastor Tan. He loves Mike Norvell. Um, that's really helped him, especially with him moving to a different position now. I agree with Brendan and, and you, Chris. I, I think he's get, he's gonna fit in well there. Yeah. I,
1: I haven't noticed, Chris, you've been there every day. Uh when the when the ones well, oh shoot. When uh the high the end people guys people that
0: are, we think are starter types are going against each other. Kevin
1: Knowles is gonna play a lot of reps this year. Yeah. And when he's going against I think, really at, I think end, at
0: worst, Kevin Knowles is your third safety and he's gonna be the guy along with Akeem Dent and Shaheen Brown as like your primary three. And he's going to play a lot. And I think there's also going to be moments where they maybe use him at a different spot, but like nickel's a battle. I I think a guy like greedy Vance, who's played a lot of nickel in his career can be very good there. Guy like J-dub who can play corner outside on the Island. But if you're trying to start your best guys might play nickel some for you. I think J-dub's a guy who can be good there.
2: Jerry and Jones.
0: I heard he, uh,
2: I heard I was talking to someone. I I know you guys are recording as well, but I heard he had a good practice. Um, I believe it was the third practice. Talking about J-dub. Yeah yeah he's been good um
0: you know he there's a confidence with guys who have a lot of reps within this system with this staff and he's one of those guys and he's a guy who's completely bought in on this staff and that happened well before this year rolled around but it's no
1: j-dub loves pat sertan as well i know the fan base wants us to know if there's this quick turnaround because of pat being here and it's a fun thing to talk about man that's also the defensive coordinators here for year four now like these guys know what they're getting from adam fuller like there is a lot of respect with Pat Sertan that he de- that he demands and commands just by his presence. J Dub is a perfect example of someone who I think and and Zach mentioned KP now as well. Um, veterans, guys who've been here multiple years and played for a different coach. Like I think that they are uh, respecting the DB coach, and that's that's important. That's that's needed. That that room has needed a lot of structure. And it's been a slow burn to get to the point where it's had this level of maturity. Ventrell Cypress is someone who helps a ton with that. He yeah, is he's business MVP. like as they come, as they come. So like, drink the Kool Aid. Uh, The pieces fit together really well. What I was going to say, Chris, is when KP is like out there, and if he's guarding a pass that Jordan Travis throws, I haven't noticed that collection of of defenders. Again, you've been there more than I have. Like, they don't get beat deep. They haven't given up explosive. Yeah, okay. They haven't had mAs or anything. From what I've Scene.
0: Yo, seen you always with DBs, they've been very good in one on one situations and even seven on seven. The thing you really want to see is when the bullets start flying at high speeds, when everybody out there has a the communication. Because if a guy can play to position, you're comfortable with it, but if they don't have good communication, that's where blunders happen and big plays come about. And we've had only so much 11 on 11 through the three days. They play a good bit of 11 on 11, but it's not like a scrimmage, the scrimmage is going to paint the best picture that we're going to see of that. But in the instances that we've been able to watch through three days of seven on and eleven on, it's been good. The handoffs have been good for the most part. I mean, there's been moments where the guy didn't shift the right way or safety got caught flat footed and it led to like a big run or something like that. So yeah, there's been moments, just not very many of
1: them. Hey, so uh, like
0: there, there's no panic button situation there, and truthfully, it's been pretty pleasing.
1: Uh, We'll see what happens with the offense. Like the offense has to, it, the offense is always behind the defense. Yeah, so that it, is, uh, it's a little different
0: like, than it's been in years past because they allow so much summer activity now. Yeah. That's changed over the last two years. So rhythm and timing and stuff like that's much better than it usually is.
1: This like, week is when the catch up should be, and we start seeing yeah. some some legit battles. I think it, uh, it felt like on get,
0: Saturday the offense got going a little was bit. Now, going it it, was, it wasn't. We didn't have one of those stretches where it was like, oh, they're they're shredding them. Um, but it was good. But the defense is legit. Uh, The defensive line at a point of attack is a blast to watch. I mean, even when you're kind of in the depth of it with veterans like a Malcolm Ray or Dennis Briggs and guys of that sort, it's still really good football being played. But like when it's a Jared Verse and Patrick Payton with some of those earth movers in the middle guys like Braden Fist, for example, man, they they just create havoc and it's consistently creating havoc and it's fun.
1: How, how did AZ look uh, on healthy? Saturday? Yeah, healthy. That's good. Yeah,
0: he looks more like his old self. He he hasn't quite had those like electric moments. We saw some in year one, especially in the spring of year one, where he just kind of set the world on fire. But he's been good. He's been consistent, competed for the ball well in the year, been in position, playing through the arms and the ball when balls are caught by the opponent. He, he just looks more like himself. The great thing about AZ is he's got great length, pretty good feet, good athlete. And he, he competes. He's a kid that likes getting after, and he's looked like that. And, I think he needs yeah.
1: – like, once he gets confident he, in all of that.
0: Darius Jones is another one I haven't even mentioned. He was he, really he, good the day makes, I was there. Um, yeah, he, he, was, he makes a play every day. Yeah. Um, They got a lot of dudes in that secondary, decent amount of different body types, a lot of length, good athleticism, some bigger bodies, some smaller bodies. But you feel confident that they're going to have a nice group there and real good depth. And it feels like everybody's kind of rowing in the same direction.
1: My, I'll, This will be my final thought, I think, on my observation from the one day and just reading what you have put out, Chris, on those 24-7 with the practice reports and uh, seeing video clips and stuff like that. So like with the context I have, um, we were expected, we went into this camp knowing that the coaching staff had high expectations of how the roster was assembled. And what I've seen in a very truncated period has not disappointed in that regard. I I was talking to someone the other day and uh, and they were trying to ask like for weak links. I think like some freshmen are going to need time. Right. And like, there's like, I wish the linebacker depth made me feel a little bit better. I wish the safety depth made me feel a little bit better, but like we're talking about depth pieces. And I think the big takeaway for me, uh, the singular day I've been there was you scan across the entire roster at any given point in practice. And you see the way the guys move, you see their frames collectively There are very, very few people who I'm like, I don't know if that guy's going to be able to play at this level. It may not be legit like power five FSU starters. There's not someone who's going to be transferring down to like FCS level or like being a scrub at like a low end G5 team. Like I think the evaluation, I think the development, uh, generally speaking has been really high. We've talked about this for several years now, Chris, like where it's been this build of like, 70 years you know, two, year, three years ago was probably fifty percent of the roster. Can we get
0: twenty two? Was three years ago. Can you get two good line like good starters on each side of the ball?
1: Yeah, and uh, that uh, was a and, struggle.
0: Then it was uh, the can you get thirty three to forty four?
1: Ninety five percent of the roster now looks like it should be played for a top ten program.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you feel like there's guys in the the pipeline with them too. Yeah. Like like you look at a position like linebacker, for example. We know. Deloge and Bethune are going to be super dependable, what they're good at, and both look healthy. Tatum looks very healthy. It's well documented how banged up he was last year. And Kalen is a guy who's continually progressed in a positive manner in a Florida State uniform because he puts a hell of a lot of work in. Second team, you got DJ Lundy. You feel great about who and what he is. You know what he is. You know what he can do. Omar Graham is somebody super invested in, and he seems to be the one they're putting in that next spot. And they've really pushed him. But you look and you see a Blake Nicholson, for example, and you kind of know, like, he, he's, he's got a little something to him. The athleticism stands out in that room among that group. He's a freshman. He's probably going to do his most work on special teams, but he's down the line. The next is finding the sixth guy, the next guy beside him who makes your 3D. And, like, DN's and a spot. Those first four are pretty clear and well-defined. Jaden Jones is a very intriguing dude as a third-team guy. And then Dante Anderson's another guy who's put in a lot of work and done pretty well. And he's probably – he's in that fifth, sixth conversation. He, with he's Aiden not,
1: Jones. at this point, like a, an elite athlete. But I've, I've heard this consistently. Like They like his, like, pass rush, like, instincts. And there's going to – that's just probably a guy who's going to need three, four years. And he's entering, what, year three now? Or is this year two for him? He's three. with Daniel Line, So it's – Oh, this is year two. Oh, this is just yeah. year two. And he put on a bunch of weight in the spring, and he's lost some of it. And I think that's by design. You put on as much as you can. So anyways – I'm excited about the depth of this team. I'm excited about the top-end talent. It looks really good. Uh, I'm looking forward to being able to transition into covering the football team uh, <laughs> primarily for this this week, uh, knock on wood. I am, too. I, I'm very much looking <laughs> forward to it. <now. laughs> yeah, uh, they'll probably FSU to the SEC on Monday. Um, we're, calling yeah, it, whatever. we're calling it out.
0: Um, Realignment. That feels like so last Wednesday.
1: Uh, again, days are weeks at this point. Uh, it is very true. Um, but no, I'm I'm giddy. I'm excited to sure. get out there and see them in full pads this week uh, to see some battles. Uh, and I think we should do a podcast at some point, Chris, in the middle of the week, like whenever there's a slow day, if that happens, where we can go position by position and thoroughly like go into it. That's one of our favorite things to do in the off season. I enjoy doing that with Chris a ton. Um, and I think this roster is gonna lend itself to a, a lot of fun conversation as we start looking at this team and the like the through the prism of like this should be a ten win regular season team at a minimum. like that is the bar that we are setting at Florida State like this season. this this should be a team that is competing to play in the ACC championship game bare minimum. um if that does not happen, that means a few things went wrong along the way. like this is a team that's made to compete for something really big and um yeah, this has been fun to watch so far. I'm very much so looking forward to this week. You got anything left in your sack?
2: I was just going to thank you guys for helping out with with recruiting coverage over the past week and hope you can get back to, uh, to covering, you know, the team.
0: I think we're all good. We've done a very good job, not toot our own horn, but we've done a very good job of being a very good website here recently. So, with that in mind, one day left, 60% <laughs> off at North 24-7 for an annual subscription. So problems don't advantage, stop. If you, <laughs> you didn't take advantage of the 75% off, wow, sorry about that, but you can still get 60% off. So <laughs> go get a subscription. Go buy some Chattanooga whiskey. And if you feel
1: like it, go buy a house and call the Turner Group.
0: Then if FSU
1: wins a national championship, you are all buying new houses this year. Turner Group, we call All right. Have a great night. We love y'all. Bye. All
2: right. Okay. Picture this.